This is the Bushwick Variety Show. And I'm Alec the Third. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This episode features some of the creative team behind The Bauman. The Bauman is a theater, performance, and event venue which was located here in Bushwick in the East Williamsburg Industrial Zone, um, right around the corner from where I am recording this podcast right now. Uh, During COVID, during this big thing that, you know, we all went through, we all know what happened, we all know what's going on right now, they uh, let go of that physical space because it didn't really make sense to keep paying for a physical space that they weren't really using um, and have moved online as all of us have, or most of us have. Um, I guess healthcare workers, shout out to them. And thank you, NYC, for giving me and my wife our first round of the vaccine shots. I highly recommend it. Um, The Bauman has also curated a monthly art box. So you can check that out, sign up for it. Um, That is a physical box that you will get if you sign up for it. And... Also, the way that I came to know the Bauman, even though I live here in Bushwick, Bushwick um, has so many wonderful things going on, as you probably know. So my introduction to them was through a collaboration. Uh, I got involved with Six Shooter. If you heard the episode with Emily White a couple episodes back, we talked about that. I didn't know when we were talking about it that I was going to be a part of it at the time, but it's a show about gun violence in America through the trope of the Western. And so in that, I play Clyde Elliott, a cowboy. Super excited for that piece. And that's an ongoing, developing piece. And for the collaboration that we did with the Bauman, we did a radio play version of a segment of the play. And we had an interview before and after. So talking with me today is Victoria Masteler, and joining us later on in the conversation is Fergus Bauman. And so, yeah, we just had a great conversation. I'll probably be sharing some version of the podcast that we did together for Six Shooter on Bushwick Variety Show as well. But I thought it was important to sit down and have this conversation with the creative minds behind the Bauman first. So this is Victoria Masteler. And joining us later in the conversation is Fergus Bauman. Let's have a conversation. Hey, how are you? Good, how about you? I'm good, I'm good. How's it going? What have you been up to? Uh, you know, just living the dream. Living the dream. (laughs) Yeah. Can you hear that trumpet? I can. Okay, okay. I'm going to just text my boyfriend then. (laughs) Uh, he practices for an hour and it always ends up being at the most inconvenient time. So I'm yeah. just like, <laughs> yeah. But thank you so much for scheduling with the, uh, this with me. Like, it just feels like this has been a long time coming. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, nice has he been, is he, did he grow up playing trumpet or your boyfriend? Yeah. Yeah. He's playing trumpet and trombone now and he, 
grew up playing trumpet and like even did it in high school and like his family is uh like his dad was a music teacher so like very much so part of the family tradition which is really cool so yeah but I'm like glad that he does it because he's a sound designer um and so he's like great I'm just like practicing for when Broadway opens up again and I can actually audition for gigs and I'm like why not right mm -hmm. so yeah yeah so Definitely. it's it's funny though because I like tune it out because I'm so used to it um that I sometimes don't even realize he's doing it yeah yeah I get it um and real quick uh how do you pronounce your last name is it Masteller? Masteller. Masteller. okay yeah cool, cool. <laughs> yeah of course um, should I do the record on here to send the audio to you or what's best? I've just been doing it over Zoom. I know right. that's going to bite me in the ass probably soon. So I should be doing that probably. But yeah, I've just been doing Zoom so far. That sounds fun. I mean, before I only did in person. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which was not an option if I wanted to keep going. So I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you How know. could you possibly not do this in person all the time? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Hopefully soon. Um, I was actually just talking to Courtney, who's yeah. in Six Shooter. Nice. Um, and actually, by random coincidence, we're both getting our vaccines tomorrow. Oh, nice. How did you schedule yours? Uh, there's a website. I can send it to okay. you on. Uh, yeah, I'll send it to you after this. Yeah. Um, did you, have you worked in restaurants or education? I am a teacher. Okay, yeah, yeah. so then you should be able to. I'll, yeah, I'll send it to you. It was really easy. That's great, um, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, my research was like minimal and I was like, it's hard, I'm busy, I'm staying home all the time. So I'll just get it when I get it, but I like really would like to get it so that, you know. It's cool because you can not only it's not only scheduling when, mm. but where. Mm. So I'm I'm not leaving my neighborhood. Yeah. Like not far away at all. Yeah. So. And you're in Bushwick, right? Yep. Okay. Um, so where are you going? Because I'm also in Bushwick. It's somewhere on Irving, like Bushwick Education Center, somewhere on Irving. Oh, that's awesome. Oh my yeah. gosh. Okay, great. Cause like whatever website or things that I was looking at sh all showed like places like a mile away. And I was like, this can't be right. Like I haven't been keeping completely up to date with the places that they've opened, but I'm like, this still feels weird that it would be that far away. Like, mm -hmm. so, um, cause I know that they were making a concerted effort. I'm going to sneeze. Oh, no, no, I'm good. I think because I named it, I didn't have to then. There's yeah. Okay. But yeah, so that's like the next step. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. 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 I know um, a friend of mine actually just got hers because um, her husband, not husband, oh my gosh. No, her dad's wife is... Um, indigenous and they were visiting uh i 
guess they were visiting like her tribe essentially and they had extra shots that like no one showed up for and they were closing house so they were like we'd rather of course like that story but we'd rather give you the shot than not um because it was like the one that that has to be extra cold and like one is only good that day um so she got her shot that way nice yeah yeah so crazy Mm -hmm. just the Mm -hmm. whole whole thing Mm -hmm. um and i mean it is the new normal yeah but when i like think about it like when i take a step back and think about it it's like it's crazy (laughs) you know crazy it's crazy (laughs) it's like you just like the past four years have been like we had to get used to a certain amount of craziness to just like be okay to just like not be constantly just like looking shocked and like just you know paralyzed by all of the craziness but even down to today's like news being like you know the 45th like getting impeached again and just the trial and just like I personally didn't watch um a lot of I was like nannying when the coop happened. And so I like didn't get to see like the terror in action while it was like being reported. Um, And like, then I just watched some of the trial and watched like, I caught one of the moments that they were showing. And I was like, this truly just looks like a Hollywood movie right now. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I've just been sitting and thinking a lot about like how just the ways that we psychologically like disassociate and whether or not it's like out of protection. I mean, it's always out of protection in some way, but like just because it's like not convenient for you or because it's like, and that's the Royal you obviously. Um, but like I, or if it's, yeah, it just doesn't go with your belief system. I've just been like listening to a lot of like psychology podcasts and, from like all ang- angles because just the past four years have just been so nuts. And then this past year, like um, a f- couple fellow teacher friends and I who are like, who are theater teachers, I we are like scheduling an online party slash like what of like the, the day that we found out that we were not going back into school and we're just going to be like, great, we're going to play some games and drink some wine and obviously through zoom and just like hope that kind of helps with the like mourning and grief of all of this. And like, yeah, just that continuation of being told by somebody else that, yeah, this is weird (laughs) is, uh, is helpful. Yeah. How are you doing? Like now. Um, it's like a, it goes in and out. Cause it's like, I, so I moved to New York city two years, almost to date. Um, and like, that was a weird time because I was transitioning and I was very in between um, like jobs. Like I did student teaching for theater. And then I like really didn't have my heart completely set on, oh, I was not doing my student teaching. I did my first like set of teaching, like as a teacher, like I was a long-term sub uh, uh, covering for two people who were on like paternity leave. 
And then I had this like weird in between and then I moved to New York City and like- And where did you move from? Where was I moved, that? I moved from like kind of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I was like living in between three different places, <laughs> like kind of like my parents' house, kind of another friend's house and kind of another friend's house. And just like trying to figure out what to do and just like in like the good, like like depression of January and February where it's like just like dark and like then my internal was dark and I was applying to a bunch of jobs and I was actually starting to get like some yeses on like the development front for theater and it was like I think I truly lost two of my jobs because I didn't live in the theater I didn't live in the city by that point and like they wanted me to start the next week and I should have just like looking back I'm like I should have just lied I should have been like yeah I have a place and then just made it work um but that's okay everything has its reasons um but it was weird to like live in New York City and have like a year of like just killing it like I joined Bauman and I like started to do my own like art group I was like working as a theater teacher and then just like all of a sudden everything just shattered I know it shattered for so many people but it was like weird that this like life that I built just like suddenly went away (laughs) Mm -hmm. like I even like moved out of my apartment and like that was my weirdly enough my first apartment that I signed for like a year for a year um that wasn't my college apartment like so yeah I'm like a little shocked like I've talked to some friends and some days like my mind doesn't remember where I'm going to wake up and then I remember where I am and it's like fine but it just feels all a little like okay we're doing the things but I've uh I've decided 2021 is a year where I'm going to really take hold of everything versus 2020 I was like just really riding the wave and being like all right this is happening um and so 2021 I'm just trying to like utilize it a little bit more instead of just being like oh someone gave me a lemon like actually cut it up and like put it on top of my taco or margarita or whatever I'm having um Mm -hmm. so that was a long answer but I'm doing okay how are you doing yeah strangely pretty good uh at the end of 2020 I was not doing as well and I was doing most of 2020 was taking it pretty well yeah of course it wasn't what I expected um but I found there were a lot of things specifically artistically that still kind of were able to happen in 2020 anyway Mm -hmm. especially like on the writing front but Mm -hmm. also on the acting front but in a weird way like obviously not in theaters um but it kind of shifted kind of it's kind of like I was in I've been in the midst of like this transformation the past few years and kind of like kind of searching for that and and trying to shift Mm -hmm. and kind of 2020 kind of pushed like that shift forward even even more Mm -hmm. um at the end of the year I was trying to make something work like job wise and I just could not figure out how to do it Mm -hmm. and I was feeling drained creatively trying to figure it out 
and then finally realize maybe this isn't what you should like maybe there's a reason this isn't working and then shifted again and ever since then i've been finding my feedback and kind of affirmed that i'm back on on track so yeah pretty good um i will say since you're relatively new to the city mm-hmm. i moved here at a similar time which a lot of people compare the like for the new york experience 9-11 was a pretty big disruptor mm-hmm. but also when i moved here was 2008 um during the like economic crisis and that was rough to move to the city to try to be an actor Mm. and to try to like survive and get some kind of restaurant job when there were all of these layoffs and people weren't spending as much money um so it was like you would wait online as an actor Mm. with your headshot and resume and then you would go to open calls for restaurants with your restaurant resume and headshot, which they wanted sometimes because they were looking at like hundreds of people. Yeah. And I remember I remember that year sometimes running into people and the conversation is going, how are you doing? I was like, all right. I mean, you know how people just say, all right. Yeah. Actually, I'm not all right. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but I don't know. I love that. We got through that. Um, it's like, I, I, I believe when you get through hard things, like you, you grow. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. I think that's definitely like the major takeaway is like, what has this taught me? And it's just like a, a friend that I follow on Instagram always like is popping out these stories with a lot of like quotes from random people or I mean, famous people and things like that. But one of them that just like was really resonating with me was like, I don't want to decide who I want to be. I want to think about what I would not, I don't want to be. And I'm like, great. 2020 was like a really good year to like look back and think back about like what do I not want Mm -hmm. what do I want in 2020 to like carry me carry me carry me because I think like it's a little it's been a little hard to self-define given the circumstances and like just needing survival jobs and just like going in and out of like creativity and not having it and there's so many different mantras of whether or not like if they're like just work no matter if you're like not feeling creative but I've also heard people who are like don't if you're not feeling it don't do it like both people being very successful at both like you know um not at both but like at both mantras have been successful for many different people Mm -hmm. um and so I'm like okay I just like feel like I've tried to control things and like it hasn't happened (laughs) like um so at least I can control what I don't want to do like whether or not that's like being more patient or whether or not that's like someone like I don't feel like I actually supported the arts as much as I want it to in 2020 um maybe a little bit from just like feeling so sad that it wasn't there the way I wanted it but now I'm like okay I just need to like accept that it's not going to be like in a theater anytime soon so what is the way like what yeah what are the ways I can support art in a way that 
you know, at least reminds me of theater or is at least exciting in a way that it's like fresh and new and engaging my mind in the way that I want it to be engaged. Um, so yeah, that's definitely, I definitely agree with that. Like these times are, are things that we can look at and learn from. At mm -hmm. least. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. The, the last couple months of 2020 were the, that, that mantra of like, what don't you want to do for me? Um, mm -hmm. I'm realizing cause it was the job I was doing was for money mm -hmm. and it was potentially a lot of money, but not what I want to do. And like, yeah. and I do have, I did have the other mantra you were talking about, which is like the thing that really did happen last year was like the creativity mm -hmm. and really kind of not effortlessly, like it's like work and it's like, you don't know where it's going per se, but like things happening, I was seeing things happen because of the creative path mm -hmm. and then kind of realizing sometimes you do have to choose. And, and in, in this case, it was like, yeah, the creative path is really calling me right now. Mm. And I don't know if I, like, I don't know how I could do, I'm not saying it's not possible for somebody, but for me, it was like, no, I have to say no to this other thing so that I have enough room for this, which is, there's a whole lot of unknowns and risk, but it's all a risk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and like when you do know what you want to do, then it's not easier, but it's like you, like it'll find a way. I don't know. Mm, yeah. Yeah. There's at least just more intentionality to all of it. Um, I've definitely found that like, I feel the need to make like physical art, whether or not it's like painting or I'm now into this app called Procreate, which I just like found is a very funny name. Yeah, um, it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, um, and, um, but I'm like, at least like this is something that I feel very passionate about and whether or not it turns into something else or I don't know, I'm like, maybe I go to grad school eventually for like visual art, maybe I don't, but like, at least this is like fueling a fire within me right now. And that's like enough for me. Like, I'm like, that's, that's good. That's like where we just need to be at right now. Like feeling something that uh, 2020 helped create, so. Mm -hmm why not <laughs> so uh why don't you tell me about the bowman a little bit and how yes. you got involved and yeah yeah oh my gosh yes so it's a group of boys and i mean that in like the sweetest like most gentle reference joke and like joke um but it's really cool because it's a group of guys and me and i <laughs> And my friend Joey from high school, I went to uh, Charter Arts High School in Bethlehem and Joey and I met there. We like built sets together. We just like spent so many hours because it was like conservatory style. And we were, we only had like 25 other students in our class, um, in our theater class. And so we like stopped talking to each other after we graduated, but not out of like anything. It was just like, 
you know, we're busy. He went uh, to school in Vermont. I went to school in Boston and, you know, you're just doing your thing. Um, fast forward to me moving back to the city. I had slept on his couch a bunch of times while I was doing these interviews and just like talking about like my own experience, catching up. Like I started to do some development work. I did some art administration, like during college and after college. And he's like, you should totally just like check out the Bauman. It's this like very feisty arts group. And we're just like working with curators and we have a space and like we have just been really putting a lot of energy towards it to like figure out what we can do with it and like how we can make it more than just this thing. Um, because what I remember is Fergus Bauman, he's like the head of it and he really just wanted a place to have all of our friends in at that point our like early-ish mid-ish 20s um and like anyone any age any time but like really wanted to create a space that was welcoming to everyone and didn't have this threshold of you needed to be a certain amount of successful or you need to have a certain amount of money um just because that's something that like when i was deciding whether or not to move up to new york city or chicago i really loved that idea like i've met so many people in chicago who were like one day i'm working at stuff and wolf the next day i'm working a storefront like it's very much so like you're up the ladder down the ladder you know whatever in regards to like professionality and that hearsay part of it um, and so I loved that this reminded me of like more of the spirit of Chicago, of like really having a space where it's just anyone at any track, um, as long as they have um, a passion and something that like jibes with us. Uh, so I like ended up basically tapping in that summer that I moved to New York City and just helping with like the curation, whether or not it was just helping everyone, um, you know, settle up as they come in because we were a donation-based organization. Um, but, you know, it was like highly suggestive because we really wanted to pay the artists, which was another thing. Like, it's all volunteer. We really aren't getting paid. <laughs> like, um, but it was great because we had poetry nights when we had a physical space and could do things. We had poetry nights, we had uh, comedy shows, we had more low key music uh, concerts and things like that uh, because it was a space that was very much so adjacent to apartments. <laughs> so, and there was only so much space we had. Um, but the Bauman is just like, founded on the idea of community and like how can we reach out to more people how can we create a space that just feels fresh and fun and um that included also we had a lesbian um bookstore which was just like different zines and that was like its own curation um by a whole other group that came in and just like updated and that made sure that there was just a free-flowing amount of art that was happening too. Um, so my like journey into that was through Joey uh, and he is like one of the main carpenters essentially like the tech head um, and he built the stages. I mean we like built everything ourselves. Um, luckily he is like a master carpenter and is very 
professional. So I trust any decision he ever made about what we were making. Um, but it was very, very scrappy and in like the space itself. Um, but right now we're in between everything. Um, we have Fergus who is still in the city. Um, our friend Owen right now is out of the city uh, doing his actor thing. Um, which we're so stoked that he's hired right now. Um, so, but he's like- For theater or for film or TV? For film, for film, yeah. yeah. So it's not necessarily a, uh, uh, yes. That'd be great if it was theater. <laughs> um, there, I mean, there are some theater things happening. I don't know yeah. what that looks like. And I, I'm sure it's different everywhere, but yeah, curious. Yeah, yeah. it's- um. So then we also have Zivon, who is just like an awesome extra pal and how they all know each other is Zivon, Owen and Fergus all went to LaGuardia together and like met that way. I'm still not a hundred percent. I don't remember how Joey met them, but they eventually connected at some point. Oh, I do remember when Joey went to college, he went to college for two years in Vermont and that's how he met Fergus. Yes. And then they like just kept in conversation because Joey moved to the city. Fergus is from the city. So they like started to like create the, create the Bauman together. Mm -hmm. That's like, Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, what happened during the pandemic? Oh yes. So I felt really lucky that I had a general realistic idea of what was happening. Um, just because with the pandemic you mean the pandemic yeah sorry um to be specific i because my ex-roommate who i'm best friends with royce he is a he's going getting his phd for some type of science i should know it but i don't Mm -hmm. um but like he's very integrated in the science world as a whole and he once we were shut down he like got on a plane like I just distinctly remember him like packing up all of this stuff. And he's like, great, I will see you in like two years. I'm like, and I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, I'll see you in like two years. This is going to go on for a while. So I at least felt like I had a little bit more information. And that was like the beginning of it, like in April, when everyone was like, we're going to be back in two weeks. And I'm like, well, I just didn't say we were. So I think we're just going to be full. Um, so I when I was talking to the guys online, when we were doing our Zoom meetings, A, we were trying to figure out if we were going to renew our lease. And essentially we were like, we're not, because we were already in conversations to try to get like a bigger space uh, to grow out of like this small, like 60 person space that we were in um, and had already like created our LLC, I think that's what it's technically called. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and had done like a bunch of research. We were like talking to attorneys. We were talking to like anyone we could talk to about what would be the next steps for us to like make a space like really viable that's like detached, has its own door, like uh, that like personally goes to the business. Um, because ours was like more in a an apartment building, but mm-hmm. like it was not really an apartment building. It was confusing. Um. So we were already in like conversations for that. So our oh, where was the location? The location was in Bushwick slash East Williamsburg. So like around like Roberta's area. What was the street? Varick. 
Okay. Yeah. 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 So we were in that area. Um, and so we were still trying to decide what we we're going to do. And so we, decided to of course not renew our lease so there was like the sudden day where we're moving like all of our stuff out and just trying to figure out whether or not we put it in storage or not um and then we just like kept on staying in conversations like we have a, we have a small sum of money we could get a space but with the pandemic and like I of course wanted to be optimistic. So we eventually had found a space um, and since spaces right now are really cheap, it seemed very viable, but we kept on trying to figure out whether or not we could put a clause in with like how long we could actually use the space because like the technicalities of having so many people in that space with the virus, et cetera. Um, and it just essentially just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing right now is like we're in a uh, in between and we have decided that we're like, OK, there's a few things that we need. Like we really want this space to actually be a thing. And it seems like a, a space can happen again in maybe, I think, a year. Um, but also, like, how do we continue our community um, and like also just bring joy to our community because that was the whole point of like connecting um and so we're like well what if we make like an art box so I believe that Owen was the person who like initiated this thought itself of like just an art box that is like art itself whether or not the art box is like the box is puzzle pieces and it's like you can rebuild the box of puzzle pieces or if it's, you know, just like all the different ways that you could create a box that could be sent to people and include different types of art. Um, And we sent out our first box and I was really excited because I watched somebody unbox it on Instagram live and I, I was into the idea. I thought it was great. But when I was watching somebody unbox the box, it was the first time it really hit me that I'm like, this is really cool. Like, it is really cool because it's all of these different curators that I either do or how like how familiar or unfamiliar I am with them, but it's just an instantaneous way, especially in this time where we have so much media being presented to us at all points. It's so easy to ignore things if you don't initially like it, right? But this box is just a way to be like, hey, just take like 15 minutes and get to know these new artists. You don't, it's not, you don't have the opportunity to scroll past it. It is literally just this like box of information that you get to like hone in on which reminds me of just like reading a book where you're just like in that world itself and you can't be distracted by everything um and we have a couple of different ways that is accessible too so for people who recorded music since we were like we can't really send out a cd because of computers now not having cd like inserts or whatever that would be this is uh, you know my brain on a saturday um or like qr codes so so because we couldn't have cds because nobody does that anymore or it's you know in between um we'd made qr codes um which was great because then yeah you could just like 
have it on your phone right away or your computer um, and, or your iPad, whatever, um, what have you. And also then I think we also created QR codes for some of the art too. Mm -hmm. So it's like very like shareable and able to like be interacted with. Um, but it's also expansive because like, I think one comedy group like sent in like a video that we, you know, you got from the QR code. So ultimately like the box needed to be inexpensive, but also like we wanted to really fill it. We didn't want to just send one piece of art and that be the art box. Um, so another person sent in, like, I think it was essentially tarot readings for general like groupings of people and you got that tarot reading based on your name. Um, and so you had just like different ways that it was like really holistic. It was really just about the mind, body and spirit as much as possible that you could put into one box. Um, and so I just suddenly felt like while I was watching this Instagram live happen, I, I kind of felt like I was in the Bauman again. And that just, woke me up a little bit from this like little snow storm that I've been having inside of about art so like I'm just like it's all blank and it's peaceful but it's just like suddenly alive again so that's like the way that we're trying to balance out a how do we get ready for the next space and like how do we continue a conversation with their curators um but also how do we bring joy in all mm -hmm. of this so that's been the major project. Uh, it has included more hours of thought than I thought a box would need to, but it's definitely been very exciting. And how do people find that box? Is it a monthly box or? Yeah, it's a monthly box. Um, I should know. Well, first it's like you can get uh, in contact with us through the Instagram and we are at the Bauman with three ends because the Bauman itself has two ends and then new and then it says NYC at the end. Right. And you're able to subscribe to the Bauman art box through Instagram. We have the link right there. So it's super easy. It's a monthly thing. Um, it's like you choose how you want to donate to. So if you want to donate $10, um, that's like our baseline um, for just like having our expenses like taken care of essentially. And if you live in New York City, the shipping is free. Um, if you live outside of New York City, we have to like up the shipping so that, you know, again, we're not just like plummeting money. Um, and then of course, if you want to donate more, you can. Um, ultimately, like there's different themes for every month. Um, and like, that's the way that we're trying to keep there to be a general idea of what each month will be but it's like kind of it's still like open so we've like contacted a bunch of different artists and we'll tell them the theme they can attach themselves to that month um and then send in their work tell us how they want the work presented which is really important too um that's been one of the other things that i really love about the bauman is it, we are just all, you know, essentially producers of some way, but, um, and so we're making sure that the artists are always met as much as possible about what they want it to look like. So I actually had a piece in for the first month and I mentioned, oh, I was, I guess we'll just like frame it in some way. 
And I thought that Fergus was going to just like put a black frame around my painting, like, and just print it that way. But we literally sent out my painting with a frame attached. So you automatically just like had a painting with a frame and did not have to do any of the heavy lifting to make this piece of art something accessible to put into your house too. Mm -hmm. um, so, which was really, really cool and surprising. Nice. Yeah. Um, and you also have a podcast. Yes, yes, we do. We have the um, Artist We Fucks With, and that podcast is something that we started during the quarantine, um, which was great. And we've been going like a little bit more in and out of like the podcast land. Um, we've been mostly conducting different podcasts with maybe one artist or two artists. Um, but I'm excited because you worked on Six Shooter and we just recorded an interview with some of the actors and one of the director's writers. And we um, are going to be hopefully putting that out like very, very soon. And I, I am excited about that because I think there's so many artists out there who are in the middle of their process and even just getting to do a recording and talk about it just kind of helps like massage out some thoughts and have a way to like re-listen to it in a way that's detached, like way closer to, you know, having a live reading where, you know, you're really just sitting and stewing in the idea versus just sitting there and, uh, being like, I don't know what is up and down. I've been in the middle of the script for hours or mm -hmm. months now. Um, but actually having that final product in the, in the middle of a product, uh, I think is just gonna be helpful and something I'm hoping that more artists um, will collaborate with us on that podcast for. Nice. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And that whole project was, like it, yeah, it reminded me of the obvious things that I've always loved about theater mm -hmm. that like I took for granted. Um, just partially it's like probably, I mean, I don't know. I've made friends in different places, but you always make friends when you work on a theatrical piece mm -hmm. um, and kind of just forgot about the camaraderie that happens when you come together with a group of artists to like to make something together um yeah. you know like yeah. I mean I knew that but I took it for granted and then when we did it it was just like this is fun like <laughs> like <laughs> yeah no I completely had the like the same experience like it's been like the part of me that is like a little I loved it because it reminded me of so many parts of theater. Like, I mean this in the most loving way, but the frustrating part of it taking such a long time, but like also just like feeling so excited because so many people have been a part of like either A, the six shooter experience of writing it and like creating it and they're still in the writing and creation of it, the performing of it, the then us like trying to add on and doing and adding on the, the podcast element of it and recording it. And it 
didn't feel like any other art. It felt like theater again. And it was mm -hmm. because of how many people um, that we were working with that are like minded in that way. And I, there's just that instantaneous connection. Like, I think that's something that just never leaves from like your high school or whatever experience you had, like the initial impetus of like, you just automatically create friends. Like, and I think it is because it's so collaborative inherently mm -hmm. versus I find I've only done a little bit of film, like only a little bit of TV and film, but I find it just to be a little bit more mechanical because like the actor needs to be in this one spot to get the shot. The director needs to be at a certain spot to get it, you know, versus like theater, especially when we're in the same spaces together, is everyone is around each other at all points. The stage manager, like it's just, and it's not like, unless you're doing a monologue, there's going to be more than one actor called at all points, like to be there and sit through the long hours together of creating a simple scene. Um, and yeah. yeah, Six Shooter just like reminded me of how much care and effort too that it takes, which is something that I really miss about theater, even down to like the scheduling, but everyone cares so much about making it that it's like, fine. Like we're like, we're cool, we'll do it. We'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it also, like there's a solo piece, like it, it, even if it is a monologue, there's still so many people involved. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was definitely my experience, like re recording Six Shooter. There was just so many people involved, even in regards to like, we, one person from Six Shooter was, I think well, two people were like actually putting all of the audio together of all of the actors and like, what a big project. And then like on our side, we were just putting the audio together for the podcast part of it. And even in all of that, just all, the amount of hands the amount of like loving, caring hands that are taking care of the project is just like beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about, I'm excited about that one for sure. Yeah. Um, goes with, I mean, that goes without saying. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that's, that was one of my highlights of 2020 for that reason. Like it just, it felt like theater. Like it really did. Yeah. Even down to just the conversations, like uh, Conrad and the crew, when I was talking to them about what was like the, the initial thoughts of creating this and just like the care of thinking about gun violence in America, but like in such a wonderful complex way that isn't just simplifying it to us versus them, which is such a like strong American narrative that we love to use, but them using the us versus them to look at and dissect the complications that we have about guns and our opinions about guns in America. And then like using the cowboy trope, but then again, like shattering it and putting it together and 
also kind of bringing in like the film element, which like we only saw, I only saw little parts of that, but like, what are the conversations that are happening in the film world in regards to the actors and race? Like that is then mirrored on the screen. Like, so I just, I'm so excited about reading more of it. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience, Alec, but like when you're reading a new script or someone tells you they have a new script, the little guilty part inside of me is like, I hope it's not bad. Oh my God, I hope yeah. it's bad. Like, which I don't want to have, like, because I am like so stoked about anyone just making art and like being stoked about it, right? But then I like opened it up and started reading and I was like, this is really good. Like, and that's like an understatement. Like it was so easy to read the, the whole piece that they had given me. It just like flew by and Mm -hmm. just recording it and hearing all the voices bring the script to like the next level of being alive and like really mulling the idea of like what does this cowboy sound like what does the the environment sound like but and it was already all there in the script it was already so alive but then hearing it performs just like ah I just suddenly felt like I was sitting on a red like seat and it was so so tasty yeah yeah I agree and it's exciting also because it's still being written it's still being developed like it's and that's kind of the whole process like even from like when I got involved like it they changed it like in that time like so yeah it's exciting yeah and I have a lot of respect for Conrad and Mm -hmm. his crew because it's and I'm saying Conrad initially because he's the one I interviewed Mm -hmm. and he headed the project but it's very much so such a collaborative process so I don't want to um give the wrong idea that uh he's like the main writer or something like that um but I just got such a strong feeling that the group of writers um, is really in on it together. And at least in my view and hearing them talk about the piece, there's so much ownership amongst them that it didn't really feel like it was one person's thing and like everyone else is just like kind of adding in. It really felt very collaborative through and through. And even talking to Emily, um, just like her coming so much like from a dramaturgical place, like she, how she was talking about it versus Conrad was talking about it. And like, um, and so I'm excited to find out what they continue to do with it. But I also was excited that a group wanted to just like hit pause in the middle of this process pause because yes they were developing and changing it up to like the second that we recorded it and probably have changed it since then but to want to isolate a piece because I think that's something that I have heard from so many artists that they're wary of having a piece done before it's finished or put out before it's finished and I think that's really exciting that this is just going to be a part of the story or part of the like landscape of what this piece is versus like a final product yeah I I mean I don't totally believe in a final product I mean I guess when it goes to Broadway like for a theatrical piece kind of but still 
Um, the color purple came to Broadway when I first moved to New York, like right before mm-hmm. I moved to New York. And then they brought it back like a couple of years ago. And it was a different, they did it. They didn't do the same production. They mm-hmm. changed the production. And then the one that they brought back was actually the award-winning one, as I understand. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know the full story there, but like, yeah, things can keep evolving. And I personally am interested in that kind of work. Like it was yeah. um, the last couple of years, like first getting back out there auditioning. I knew what I wanted kind of when I first came back, but then like I had uh, long locks that mm-hmm. I cut during the pandemic actually, but people would see me and be like, and, and know me cause I sing and mm-hmm. I rap a little bit. So we were like, mm-hmm. oh, you should be in Hamilton. And that was never really my dream, but mm-hmm. then it kind of became that for a little while. But then over the last couple of years, like basically I was called in for a show at the public theater for like mm-hmm. an audition. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of a sudden I realized that I would love to do Hamilton so that I could work at the public theater and play Rights Horizon. Like I actually, for me, my Broadway is, I, I'm more interested in the development of, of work, yeah. um, not the commercial thing. I'm not against the commercial thing. And it's like, not that I wouldn't do something. It's yeah. just for me, the magic is in the making of it, not the final commercial product. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why, um, excuse me, there's uh, so many stories about the making of art because there's Mm -hmm. something so juicy. Apparently I'm like hungry for an apple or something because I'm like using descriptive words like that. But like there is something so juicy about being in the middle of the process and figuring something out because I think that's like another part of theater that like I inherently miss is like my boyfriend he is working on films right now like he is a sound designer is like still able to work on films or music videos and I and that's all great and everything but like he still can be just in a completely different room as the sound designer and like yes like there's a lot of like there's so much creativity to it it's amazing but like he's not interacting with another person at all points to mm-hmm. get something done but like as a dramaturg and as a director and as an actor like when you're doing theater you have to be like you're just in constant conversation and evolution of an idea mm-hmm. and the the final product is cool like whatever happens with the final product you're like great awesome but like you can't control how an audience reacts to it you can't control the circumstances of when it comes out too because that's like a whole other variable yeah like but the actual process itself is I think it it's just it inherently reminds us of play as kids and that's something that never leaves us and then we're doing it as an adult and it feels just so beautiful like mm-hmm. I, I, it just is yeah I think yeah it's like also I don't know what, so yeah, kind of what you were talking about that process and like this, 
there's something about that I love about this where it's like, I know they've been developing that project before I got involved, but when our current cast got involved, Mm -hmm. there were a lot more different people, different types of people involved. Um, So race came up in Mm -hmm. conversation at the first read that we all had together. And then that was like an open conversation. And Mm -hmm. yeah, like you said, it's really exciting the way that that conversation can then be brought into the actual like piece. Like it's so cool. (laughs) Um, But what's exciting is, yeah, like, you know, we, they, we plan on developing this piece further. Yeah. But, but this is a piece of art in and of itself. Yeah. And like when you're developing plays, it's like maybe it goes to Broadway. Mm-hmm. Maybe like, you know, when you're workshopping a play, maybe, you know, you have a reading of something, then you have a workshop and then maybe you have a pr- like a bigger production somewhere. And then maybe you have a bigger production at like some big regional thing. And then maybe it goes to Broadway. Mm-hmm. What I love about it, though, is like the reading is still theater. Yeah. The workshop is still theater. Like, I really enjoy the whole process. And it's like, yeah, anytime there's an audience, no matter how far, like how full of a production it is, no matter how much money's behind, all, all of that other stuff, sharing it with an audience, like that's, that's theater. You yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and this isn't live theater, but it's still, we, it was theater for, yeah, it was theater for us. Yeah. Yeah. It was still theater in during its creation. I Mm -hmm. think that obvious, that obviously, but like the final product is, is reading a play, but I, I personally, like, that's another thing that I've had a hard time with was like, oh, all the theater that's happening online. And I'm like, it's filmed, it's filmed theater and that just like kind of edges a line for me. But like the, yeah, the creation process, the rehearsal process, the, like all of that was theater and that felt so much fun to be in. And even just like, I love that rehearsal itself is still theater. Like you still have an audience. Yeah. the director, the stage managers, all of them are still witnessing and the playwright themselves is witnessing their own art um, being staged and created. And like, I don't know if we can really, I don't know if I can say that about any other art with the exception of like a painting because it's a painting when you're making it, it is a painting at the end of it. But like, yeah, it's not necessarily the same, I would say for, film or other mediums that we can look at i will say film can be like that like yeah the making of it like sometimes everybody's in 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 the same way some theatrical projects um unfortunately sometimes people aren't really in it together um it's that's sad (laughs) like Um, But that happens too. And then some film projects, everybody is having a good time and working together. Um, 
but then yeah like there are there's a project that i'm thinking of that like i still run into people from that project and i was really excited about it i know it was something special but i have no i like it like several years have gone by and i don't know if it's ever going to come out or not and it's like i acted in it like i didn't have any other i don't have any control over what happens in it but when i run into other actors and when i talk to like people involved with that project yeah they enjoyed it um but i don't know if it'll ever come out or not you know yeah yeah it sure was fun to make but (laughs) um yeah yeah i i've been thinking a lot too about like the the actual just doing of it but versus like ever creating or like ever like getting the final product out and um I've definitely because I've I've always worried about that like what if I did something and it never comes out um then what was the point but like ultimately I think all the processes are just worth it and teach you something too that makes it worth it like um so I was listening to, I like to listen to like actors. Uh, I listened to Armchair Expert by with Dax Shepard. And like, he was talking about that. Like one of his films was like basically a flop, but he was like, I would have rather done it than not done it. It took a lot of soul searching to get there because it really hurt my ego initially. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, yeah, it. at least you can say you did it versus like the inevitable fear and, or just like the people and the connections that you make doing something. Um, like it's definitely made like Emily and I, our friends and that's how I knew about the six shooter like project and it's just even made our friendship stronger because it is another thing that we're collaborating on and witnessing together which is always like that's like the threads of relationship is like what are we witnessing together and how do we connect in that so yeah Yeah. um I had a quick question I Fergus is around should I tap him in or would that be crazy sure you could tap him in cool 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 so I'll just share this link does that sound good yep cool okay uh-huh I know how to use technology it's fine that's been um mm-hmm. how do I tap him in uh go down to click participants yeah and then invite cool oh yeah i should know this it's been very uh embarrassing as a teacher like my elementary school kids are like miss master you do it this way and i'm like oh that makes sense that does make sense i could have uh could have done that and so i'm glad that they're helpful but i'm like wow do i need to like not act like a boomer all the time with my inability to use technology. Good. All right. Okay. Great. So I just sent him an invite. So hopefully he can pop on and then maybe give his like little share about what the Bauman is, if that's okay. Yeah, definitely. I just want to be mindful of like your time since. Where's uh, the best place for people to find you, by the way, and follow you? Yeah. Well, um, I generally keep my Instagram a little more like low key and a little bit closer to just like my um, personal friend group ish, um, like 
but if anyone is interested in connecting to me as an artist, I would love to do that. Um, I have two Instagrams and my open Instagram is called victorious underscore visions. Um, and that is my art Instagram. It's uh, where we can connect. I'd love to do collaborations, anything like that. Also hit me up if you're interested in recording your podcast, like your plays or um, as a podcast, that would be awesome. Um, or if you're interested in the art box and just like have some questions about how you get involved, if you want your art to be sent just around New York City, um, I would also respond to DMs through my victorious underscore visions Instagram. Oh, and now I'm going to let Fergus in. Um, I didn't want him to come in in the middle of you guiding people where to go. Thank so, you. Appreciate yeah. it. Have I don't see a microphone. Oh, now, now I see a microphone. And, and now I see a face. Hey, How's it going? Hello. Welcome, welcome. Alex Stevens III and yes. Victoria. And yes. Fergus, Fergus Bauman himself of the Bauman Center. <laughs> How are you guys? Good. How about you? Uh, I'm pretty decent. I'm pretty decent. Um, I, uh, uh, I got rid of all my hair, and so I'm feeling very um, liberated and... Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. feeling well rested. Um, it's all it's all pretty decent. Nice. Good, good. I actually just got rid of my hair in the back too. I recut oh, cool. my undercut, so How I like grow that? out. Oh, my boyfriend just shaved it. It was like so. I have had an undercut for the past couple of years, but I was just letting it grow out because it was so cold. That I was like, I should just keep it for a little bit. But I finally just like needed to be liberated from that because once I've had the undercut, I can't, I can't do it again. I can't have hair there anymore. It, it is, and I, and I feel like it's very underrated. And let me ask you this: Have you ever shaved all of your hair off before? If I have, um, yeah. I got really close. Like I kind of wanted to pull a full Britney at the beginning of quarantine, I thought if there was like any time to see what I look like without hair, it would have been then. Um, but I have had a pixie cut. I've had a pixie cut my junior and senior year of college-ish. I had a, a, one of those years of college, I had a pixie cut, which I did love. But I found out how often you have to cut it for it to look like something. And that right. I'm just like, I can't be fussy with my hair at all. You think so, it's more work to cut it many times than to actually like maintain it when it's long? Yes. Oh, yeah, it totally is. Because I can just like throw it up into a bun and it looks like I did something with it versus when it was short, the general like I had to do a little bit of styling. I had to see like you know, like there, it couldn't just be like flat all the time. Um, so yeah, I found it to be more troublesome short. And, and Alec, have you ever shaved all of your hair off like to the, to the skin? Well, I had 12 years of locks that I cut off at the beginning of the pandemic. And yeah, I went all the way, all the way low um, and do that from time to time. But I don't have the patience to do that 
all the time. Um, yeah. But yeah. So was that emotional that 12 years? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's not the first time that I had locks. Like I had them for almost four years, like years ago. And that was more traumatizing because I wasn't really ready to, or didn't want to fully when I cut them that, that time. Um, this time I was like, I think like I'd been thinking about it for seriously for a year before I cut them. And then it felt like it was time, but I made like kind of a short film, um, thingy, like kind of music video, short film thingy to like process that. But I still did go through a couple of weeks of, uh, of mourning. Um, but I'm happy, happy with it now. It was the right time. Like you made a music video about your hair so that you could remember it or you made a music video about the experience of cutting it off? About the experience of cutting it off. Oh, wow. I kind of had a matrix thing where I like dipped down into like a milk bath and then came up like bald and yeah. <laughs> I want to see this. I yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you. It's it, fun. It, it's on the internet or is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. on the internet. That's it's on cool. the internet. Is it on your website? It is on my website. Okay, yeah. cool. Cool. Because I did some searching around, but I, you know, mm -hmm. I will do some more searching then. Yeah. Very cool. Yep. How about well, you? Well, yeah. Well, I've done it once uh, where it was like literally to the end. And, and, uh, it was in college, maybe Joey would even remember this. Um, mm -hmm. And we had, uh, we drank a lot of Jack Daniels and we had what we call a paint party in my room where everyone got a bottle of paint and got to do something on the wall. Um, and, uh, and then after it was done, we decided to all shave all of our hair off. So it wasn't, it, you know, it wasn't in a situation where it was like thought through in advance. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say it was a really amazing feeling. And, uh, and the skin, I don't know if this was your experience, the skin on the head is like baby skin. Like it's like, um, like it keeps its original form I guess because it's been protected by hair for so long uh, so it's it's like you feel so like vulnerable but it, it's also you also feel like you're being reborn in, mm -hmm. in a sense as well um, and so uh, I, I really really dug it and I always recommend it to everyone um, yeah. and uh, and I think that you know especially girls because girls are tend to be more shy about shaving their hair off yeah. Um, but I think, I think it, it's still worth it anyway. I think that girls can still look very beautiful with a shaved head, you know, and, uh, and so I, I've, you know, I've become a bit of a, a missionary for it. Although in quarantine, <laughs> I've gone the opposite direction. I've wanted to grow it out, uh, a lot just to yeah. like keep warm and stuff. Yeah. I'm also yeah. a proponent that for female bodied people to like also grow out all of their hair, like legs, armpits, like sure. because of how deep rooted it is that like, we're not supposed to have hair. And right. I now just like constantly do have armpit hair and I really don't mind it at all. Cause I just like, 
just like tattoos like people are like you're gonna like notice all the time I'm like I never notice it like I really don't remember that that's a thing I also save so much time and like effort on that but it took like a really long time to be okay with it like I just like I promised myself like a year and it took about six months to feel okay with it and not have like a weird deep-rooted hatred or fear that I was like now ugly though that was like not, I'm like that's not what my worth is this is just like should be okay whoever's around me that they're not that they don't think I'm disgusting because I have hair in places that like media and capitalism has told me that I should. With body hair in particular, I think that it's really not worth the intense effort and sometimes even pain that goes into, you know, getting rid of it for that, like, like to even the extent that one might view it as like more attractive to not have it there. Mm -hmm. It's like so minor um, that it's totally not worth it at all. Like I, I like, like, I, I, I don't like the amount of time that I can even perceive so, whether it's a man or a woman, like their leg hair or whatever. It's like, I've maybe spent 0.0005% of my life ever even being aware of it. Um, mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, de definitely, definitely not worth it and not worth wearing high heels in my opinion either, you know, unless you really dig it, but <laughs> same reason. Um, I've tried, I, I, I tried, I've had those on before for like rolls, like high heels. Yeah. Wow. Uh -uh. Like so uh -uh. painful. Like I just don't under like crazy. It's not worth it. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. it's like, no, that, yeah, that's legitimately torture devices. And they don't really, like, they don't really do anything for me actually also like high heels. Mm -hmm. I mean, I get, I get it kind of, but overrated for the pain wow yeah oh yeah I I like am already a short person but it feels like I'm just asking myself to trip if I wear heels and like have to run around New York City like I admire anyone who truly wants to wear heels go for it yeah but like stilettos if I'm walking up and down subway stairs, which, you know, I'm not right now, but if I was, I'm like, I'm wearing my combat boots so that I can easily walk up. I can go through, get my next train in like the 0.3 seconds that I have to, and not worry about falling flat on my face. So yeah, things like that. All this stuff is just like, it's all weird and painful and takes extra time for everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've only like once, I've worn heels for prom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably for prom. You That's go to it. prom with Corey? Um, no, I went to prom with Tristan. Um, oh, you did. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Tristan is our friend who curated, um, he's curated a few things at the Bauman, right? Like, yeah. He is right now, he's curating another podcast that specifically looks at um, the different ends of the political parties and people having conversations about, uh, about controversial, controversial issues. And so he is like connecting people, like real people to have Zoom conversations about it and then re-recording it with actors to go uh, to A, I think maybe give some ambiguity to who is the person behind it um and 
B, I think it also adds like a level of like theatricality to it. Um, and, uh, but so Tristan has been a friend of the Bauman and I went to high school with Tristan and Tristan's like six foot four. Mm. So I did wear, and I'm like five foot. <laughs> so I did Very wear nice. like maybe four inch wedges and it was fine because they were wedges. So, you know, like your whole foot is supported. But by the end of the night, he did have to carry me to my car. <laughs> um yeah so um well thank you so much Alec for like having us I wanted to tap Fergus in because I told my version of like what the Bauman is um but I was hoping that we could also get Fergus's perspective since he is the starter of this this fun little group that we have mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah um, take it away yeah sure I could riff on it so we I mean it's very mom and pop um, so I moved. Oh, really quick. Let me just say one thing. Yeah. Um, I might have a delivery coming at some point. And so okay. I might step away for a second. Um, if it's at a weird time, just keep going. This is a record, including this little awkward part. It's all recorded. Um, okay. but I'll be right back if I, if you see me disappear. Um, yeah. Okay. I'll just let the audience know that you're not physically there. Yeah. So we can picture it. Um, but uh, so going back to the origin story, we, so this is 2017 um, and I moved into a new apartment. Um, and I, so it was like, my intention with this was to find a place, A, that was just bigger where I was currently living. I was living in a 200 square foot um, sunny side, uh, little like super, super like tin can thing. And, uh, but also, um, my friends and I, we had a theater collective and we wanted a place to rehearse and to do shows and things like that. So, um, so when I found this, uh, live work artist loft place, I was like, this could be a good place where, um, we could, you know, do shows and rehearsals every now and then. Um, so I went and uh, I, I went and did it. Um, I didn't know at the time that it wasn't actually live. So it was actually an illegal situation. Um, it was really just supposed to be commercial. And so the, the whole thing was very sketchy and I only got the place because I was Jewish there were other people who were applying that were way more qualified than me, like on a credit level or on a financial level. Um, but because I was Jewish and it was a Hasidic run thing, they uh, let me get it. Um, so the whole thing was very serendipitous. Um, and I, uh, uh, and so, you know, we started um, with this one, like gallery theater piece that we had developed and we built it out there um, and we did the performance. And originally I thought that, you know, that that would be the extent of it. Um, but then we were like, oh, well, we're doing these other fundraisers. So let's maybe like host uh, a couple of our friends who could curate some shows and do them here and that'll help raise some money. And then it started to become a thing where like other people who were attending shows were like, could I do a show here? 
or is this like open for rehearsals or whatever? So the same reason that we were interested in using the space initially uh, was compelling to other artists um, uh, for, for use as well. Um, and so we're like, sure, yeah, use it. And then it, it got, it kind of got carried away and became a full-time, like it no longer was my apartment. And, uh, and we, you know, in order to cater to the slew of artists that were coming in, we had to build out a lighting rig and we had to, uh, essentially hide every aspect of the apartment that, that existed. And so, um, we basically stuffed everything in the corner and put up a big curtain and like hid my bed on a loft, which was the lighting booth. And, uh, and it became a full-time artist venue and that helped pay for the apartment. Um, and, uh, and because we had such limited overhead, like really it was just rent and utilities, um, you know, our bar was illegal. Uh, we weren't, we didn't, our bills were illegal. We, we didn't have to deal with permits or contractors or anything. So uh, our overhead was super limited. We were able to offer the space at a really, really cheap rate relative to what else would exist in the city. And we were able to um, run a curator model where curators would come in and there was, you know, no rent involved and they would take a, uh, a commission of, of their audience. Um, and, and we would, we would make money off the events just off of, of bar and 50% audience, um, which is a model that we hope we can, uh, scale into a legitimate commercial setting. Um, so, uh, I would like to say we did yeah. donation based. So like when we say legal, like there was a lot of things that were like to the side of legal. <laughs> so it more so just like, we were like, this is a little sketch, but not completely sketch. I came up in DIY, uh, the DIY Bushwick tradition cool. um, of venues and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this, this sort of thing has gone on for a long time. You know, unfortunately, uh, not as much, not as thriving as it once was, um, just because uh, of, you know, the police getting involved in certain instances or people getting priced out in certain instances. Um, what, what, you know, what we were trying to do was, uh, while, you know, while we were there and while we were able to do it, um, be uh, kind of dip our toes in as many disciplines as possible. Um, so that whether you were in music or theater or dance or film or poetry, um, that, that uh, we were able to create a, a curatorial framework um, and, and offer, uh, you know, um, a team for, for the curators to uh, design their um, tech side and to operate um, and facilitate the shows themselves. Um, uh, so, so we, we were, we were trying to be a, a re resource haven as much as possible. We're trying to be as multidisciplinary as possible. Um, and, uh, and even to the extent that there were a lot of DIY spaces, um, that, uh, I think the depth ha hasn't been there as much. 
um, it's mostly music. Uh, and, um, and then to the degree, like, you know, there's like, uh, you know, like a poetry program that goes on in certain bars or a, um, like play reading, you know, like, um, not, not a lot that really covers everything. Um, and so, uh, that, that was super important to us. Um, you know, we got in a lot of trouble with noise and to the extent that the police got involved, that's when they got involved. Um, and, uh, and so we got shut down once and we had to like go to DOB and figure all that stuff out and, uh, and then like get super quiet and all that. But um, uh, so we were compelled to move out and to find a space where we could operate legally and um, and not be concerned about all that stuff. So that's been our prerogative um, over quarantine uh, is is to essentially fundraise uh, for for a new commercial location, um, and uh, and you know we'll we'll. Uh, I guess like our hourlies or like equipment rentals go up a little bit. They probably will go up a little bit. We'd like them to still be under market, um, but we think we can operate a venue where curators uh, make 50 to 70% of the door and, and aren't paying anything. Now on that curatorial uh, model, are you planning like I hear the open model, but are you planning on curating the curators at all? Like kind of a season at all? Or would it be strictly kind of an open forum? Or what, yeah, what are you thinking? Um, we've, we've only done open forum. I think, that, uh, I think that seasonal makes sense um, in, in a like, I, I don't know, I guess a less DIY facility um, just, uh, just because when you, when you're talking about like ensuring an event that has a high production value such that you can expect requisite, uh, shows and retention of audience over an extended period of time. Um, I think, I think, uh, like if, and that could wind up being what we do, like we could end up, um, going into a higher end facility and, uh, and, and then seasonal, I think, becomes uh, more of an option. Um, we have run, uh, we have run full theater productions over the course of weeks at different times. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we, and we've, we felt so, so about it in that environment. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, for now, that's what it is. Um, you know, we curate a number of shows as well. Uh, so we curate a yearly concert um, and those are super fun. Uh, the last one we did, we bought seven fish tanks and filled them all with fish. And we got bubble machines and confetti machines and smoke machines everywhere. And Can we dressed up like a mermaid. And we dress people up like mermaids uh, and, uh, and like, we tried to pack uh, like 150 people into a 60 person facility, but, uh, uh, but it was super fun. Um, and, 
and and we'll curate little things. Okay, and now Alec is physically not here. Um, <laughs> we also do have our reoccurring shows, which is not seasonal, but like right. we had reoccurring comedy shows and reoccurring poetry shows. So it wasn't like we were, you know, curating for seasonal, but we definitely had our nights that were, we know that this particular thing really works on a Thursday. So we'll do it every Thursday, every single month and the crowd will come that follows that show, which was awesome. Yeah, I think I think the direction that we wanna take this is like, um, uh, you know, we, we'd like, uh, I guess, an identifiable set of relationships and, and we'd like to create a solid audience in a sense, like yeah. people who frequent the venue uh, on a consistent basis. Um, and, and, and so, you know, like an identifiable energy, like identifiable curators, yeah. we'd like, you know, uh, we yes we'd love dogs as well if if dogs want to show up um uh, can joey's dog be the new mascot we we i i feel like uh if a if a dog you know i i won't i won't say no okay I, i'd say i'm open to auditions okay um because i will also be getting a dog eventually so we'll have to have oh auditions. wow it's a lot of dogs um, yeah on, in the team now i like do we get to see your dog yeah Okay. There's two, um, but there's one. This is the ham. I heard this dog on the on your podcast as well. Yeah. <laughs> this is the one who's in the. This is the one who the logo is based on. Oh. Fuzzy. Hi. Oh my gosh. So cute. How gotcha. old? He's nine. Yeah, I was gonna say he, he looks like he's he's seen a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Did you adopt him as a puppy or did you adopt him like rescue him later? Well, he was about one. Okay. Um, so he was still puppyish, but he's still not as puppyish, but he's kind of like people sometimes think he's a pup. Yeah. Um, especially with a haircut. Yeah. Um, and then we have a, another one now who's, uh, we got her as like a little, little nugget. Maybe she'll come up because now they're both in here. Come here. Come here. Yeah, there we go. So here's number two. <gasps> oh, you are a little nug. So she's like three or four now. Oh, yeah. they're so cute. They're good. Dogs, great medicine. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, I'm um, our, so Joey, our like main tech director just got a dog. So I'm hoping I get to meet the dog soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I think all yeah. art spaces should also have dogs. Yeah. yeah we, we, were, we were talking about that. I think that dogs, I mean, dogs are really incredible. Like they're, um, uh, in a sense, they're perfect. Like they're, mm -hmm. I mean, they are literally engineered <laughs> by human beings, but, uh, but we, I think we did a pretty good job because they, uh, do you know that they engineered us too? How? So, um, if you, you know, the cosmos with, uh, Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
it's like the second episode i think um starts off with wolves and how wolves became dogs yeah and it's basically that humans were hunter gatherers right yeah and then wolves would kind of come around our camps and a few of them started getting closer to us realizing hmm, if i'm not aggressive with them i can kind of get the food that they don't eat and then this relationship started where you know they became dogs Mm -hmm. and basically we stopped being hunter gatherers and developed agriculture Mm. so they literally and then they literally like their looks changed because we um tended towards more friendly looking dogs so they started like looking and adapting to us based on where we were but we started staying in the same places more because yeah because they would fend off like predators Mm -hmm. and so we started figuring out agriculture so it was like this symbiotic thing that happened with humans and dogs Mm -hmm. um and that's according to Neil deGrasse Tyson, not just Alex Stevens the third. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. Like, yeah, there's like a old. I I to be honest, man, I think that if you said something, then you said that's according to Alex Stevens the third. Anyone would buy it. That kind of a name. I do. I agree with that. It's such a strong name. Okay, I can just be like, and that's according to Alex Stevens the third, and you're like, great, we believe it. Um, but that's pretty wild. Like that's sort of a case that dogs are in a sense responsible for human civilization, or at least like an integral part to the origin mm-hmm. of human civilization, which is uh, fairly uh, staggering. That's um, gotta, gotta show a lot of respect to your dog. Yeah. And that's actually the one thing, you know, when people ask if you could go back and tell your younger self one thing um that's it i'd be like get a dog or or take the dog the family dog with you like when you move out because mm-hmm. it is work but for me it's been really beneficial work like having that responsibility is good for me mm-hmm. having something to be accountable more than just my own whims um has been really healthy yeah it's nice and of course they like you know it's so rewarding in and of itself yeah I like it's like getting it's like having a child but you know you don't have to pay for the college tuition and things like that yeah yeah they stay they develop to like two or three years old like level of and then it's yeah they don't want to move out which is better than a child exactly because what a child does like you get it birthed out of your body or mm-hmm. out of your, your partner's body yeah and you become instantly like incredibly attached to it mm-hmm. you sculpt it you raise it you form its personality you spend 18 years you take care uh, of it when it can't take care, care of itself it. and then they just leave forever like they visit you on christmas <laughs> what kind of deal and they don't eat, and a lot of times don't even they're not even thankful they're just like <laughs> right a lot of times you you're rolling the dice yeah rolling the dice well i'm officially sold now on just making art and having a dog and (laughs) saying peace out to developing my genetics 
That's it. Yeah. Um, Fergus, where's the best place for people to find and follow you? Um, the Bauman, uh, Bauman NYC on uh, Instagram. So at Bauman NYC. So that's three N's. Bauman has two N's and NYC has one N. So you're doing three N's right there. Um, I was, I would say our website, but it's still under development. Maybe by the time people hear this, uh, uh, it will, but I'm not going to say it now because you look at it, it's going to look bad. So um, go to, go to the Instagram and uh, and speaking of which, where can people keep up with Six Shooter or anything like that? Like, is there any sort of platform or any reference on a different page or something like that? That is a good question. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually just emailed Conrad about kind of some of those things. Cause I came in as an actor, but kind of everybody mm-hmm. involved who's come along on the journey is involved to like collaborate to whatever extent they want to at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm interested in, yeah, maybe getting involved on the writing side and also on the marketing side. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause while I, marketing's not my favorite thing, I think sharing ideas is important. Um, and yeah, I wanna make sure so yeah, I think there should be, and maybe I'll, I'll see what I can do on that. But um, yeah, I don't know the answer to that, but mm. I will be asking those questions and maybe contributing to having better answers. Um, okay. yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I'm glad that both you and us can um, like shout out Six Shooter with our podcasts and our media because this script just like already means like a lot to us. And I know as you were speaking to like everyone who's developed it and listened to it so far, um, the project is just really exciting and I'm excited for all of us to see how it grows. Likewise. Um, And you both live in Bushwick too? I live in Bushwick. I'm current. I'm currently living in Greenpoint. Gotcha. Um, but same but thing. I, I've spent the last several years living in Bushwick. In yeah. In, yeah. The next space. Do you plan on having that in Bushwick too? Um, or it d- depends on where. I think that in that vicinity, the East Williamsburg Bushwick vicinity, you'll find um, most of like those kinds of, uh, I guess, industrial locations that are amenable. Um, but we don't want necessarily limit limit ourselves to that. Yeah. Um, so I'd say anywhere north of Prospect Heights and anywhere west of Ridgewood and in mm. Brooklyn. Yeah. Nice. Well, thank you for the work that you're doing for uh, creating space for artists to share their work and develop their work. Uh, one new question we're kind of going with is, um, do you have a superpower? And kind of what is your superpower? as you would describe it now. So it, do you mean, do I literally like, like a superpower that I consider myself to have, or is this the superpower that I'd like to have if I could have a superpower? It could be both. Okay. Okay. I think that the superpower that I do have is the ability to move my eyebrows really quickly, <laughs> which uh, I, I thought was something that all people could do, but evidently it, it is not the case. 
Um, People listening, um, I, I saw it. You know, they, they can't see it, but I saw it. So. According to Alex Stevens III, <laughs> it did in fact occur. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the superpower that I would like to have um, would be, uh, I think, the ability to... Um, Hmm. I think I think it would be uh, the ability to. Uh, I think uh, swim. I, I think it'd be like gills. Hmm. I think it would be like um, the the ability to to move around via water as easily as I could via land. Nice. Um, and I've always had this fantasy of owning a jet ski. As a, as like a replacement for taking the subway. Um, yeah, I have that with like a movie. helicopter or a rocket pack, similar. Just yeah, heights give me the heebie-jeebies. Um, me too, a little bit, if I'm honest. But a fun way, a fun way to travel though is the idea. Like something a fun way to travel in the city. Fun and efficient is is in uh, low quantity. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I've uh, for a long time I've I've wanted to uh, move across the East River, um, uh, just on my own accord. Yeah, and I think that if I could swim that way, uh, that would be truly wonderful. I've also wanted, by the way, this just you just reminded me talking about commuting. Is I don't know what they're called, but in mining the push pull thing like they have an indiana jones oh, yeah too. yeah but i've wanted to like ride on one of those on the subway tracks like a push yeah. pull <laughs> if i wasn't so scared of how big the rats are in new york city that would be mm-hmm. cool if one yeah. jumped in while you're push push pulling that would turn into a little bit more of a scene yeah necessary um I think that the one thing that I was told, I was told by my boyfriend that I have a superpower of going to sleep really fast. Um, yes, but like it, we like it will, cause it will like watch TV in my office and he'll be like, great, do you want to go to bed? And I'll be like, yeah. And uh, he like turns around and I'm downstairs in bed asleep. And he's like, it's amazing. Like you turn into like the rocket runner or whatever that uh, character is that like when I say we're going to bed, you suddenly have brushed your teeth, brushed your hair, changed into your pajamas and you're in bed when I have just like moved my coffee cup or whatever we were doing. That is a great superpower. Like as a long time insomniac, like that is, wow, that's a good one. That's a very healthy superpower. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not one you can get drunk on at all. (laughs) Um, But uh, I think then the one thing that I would really like to have is I would really like to have the ability to learn anything and to like learn it well. Like I'm not good at learning languages and that's just been something that I, I feel so mad about all the time. Like I just wish I could like speak Russian and then change in speak Mandarin or like something like that. Um, so just like to learn something really well. Cause I was going to say photo, photogenic memory but like I wouldn't want to remember every single thing I want it to be like something that I actually want to learn because I think that would drive me crazy if I turned into like a Jessica Jones and like couldn't not know something. Mm -hmm. And what would be the first thing you would learn? Would it be a language? 
Yeah, I would learn Russian just like because that's my heritage. And it's like such a it's something that I've always had on the side projects. But it the sounds are different enough from everyday like English that it has been something that I just haven't had the brain power to really hone The in alphabet's on. also different. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, yeah go ahead. Um, well, I'm actually, my great grandfather's from Russia, and I actually turned 10 in Russia. You so did? I knew a few words, but I, I was never fluent in Russian, but yeah. Wow. We will have to get like coffee or something outside when like it's when? not snowing and I want to mm -hmm. know more about that yeah definitely yeah. well I look forward to getting to know both of you more um collaborating creating art making things happen um thank you for sitting down I will share uh the Bauman with three ends um on Instagram that'll be in the show notes and probably when this comes out, I'll also link to Artists We Fucks With and Six Shooter. So people will be able to find it there, I'll say, I'm guessing, in the show notes. So, yeah. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having us. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks, for, it. Uh, thanks for, um, you know, really taking the time to put this project together uh, because uh, it, it's um, like, you know, it's kind of refreshing in a way um in this time to uh to to see a, a well-produced piece um and and kind of get to bask in that you know just putting it together uh you know listening to something that that uh like has this sort of nostalgic feel but but it's also like um really uh like well you know like like designed to be listened to mm -hmm. which is a nice um, respite from a lot of stuff that is designed to be done in a live setting. Right. Uh, yeah. That's being done this way. So uh, I, I appreciate, and it's not easy to put together remotely, but you guys have done a really good job. So I, yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. And I look forward to more collaborations. So. See you. Likewise, take care. Take care. So that was my conversation with Victoria and Fergus from The Bauman. Check the links in the show notes for their Instagram, for their monthly artist box, and also the link will be in the show notes or is in the show notes for Artists We Fucks With, their podcast featuring the Six Shooter cast in a segment of the radio play that I was privileged to be a part of. So I hope you check that out. Hope you support them. Thank you for listening to this podcast as always. Subscribe, rate, review, share if you like it and you want to hear more. Reach out on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you are in social media land, Bushwick Variety Show. Uh, if you want to be a super supporter, uh, sign up for the monthly newsletter. We just put out the most recent one on Sunday. Um, that'll be once a month for now. Um, you can also sign up for our Patreon, if you want to be an extra super supporter. But uh, your ears are what I appreciate the most. Um, and I hope to see you putting out some wonderful things in the coming year. It's the first day of March. Let's, uh, let's get after it for the rest of the year. Take care. Have a good one. Peace. Peace.